0: Now before we get all the way into the sermon, I want to take just a couple of minutes to acknowledge that today is a strange sort of day for us here at First Lutheran, as it is throughout our community and our nation, even the world, to acknowledge the difficult situation that so many are facing. There are far fewer gathered here in our sanctuary than normal. And probably far more than regularly uh, listen to our broadcast are worshiping with us at home. And yet together, all of us have been struck by the weight of trying to slow down the coronavirus. The threat of it seems to be everywhere. Everywhere we turn, there's always a new warning. And even our best plans and taking our greatest precautions give us but momentary confidence that we are safe, for there's always something else to do. So both the virus and our communal stress are causing all of us to worry. So whether you're here in person this morning or joining us by the airwaves, we trust that God has brought us together to hear a word of comfort a word of Christ and the peace that Jesus bestows upon us. It is this peace that provides rest in the midst of our anxiousness, provides quiet for the soul, simply by hearing God's promise to us that he loves and cares for us. This promise that can come to you in person, on the radio, by television or internet, Or even over the phone and to that end right away first Lutheran is starting a ministry for the next few weeks at least called phone buddies which will allow individuals to talk with one another on the phone and to share in this faith that we are called into three times a week uh, a a phone phone buddies will have conversation and share concerns devotion and prayer with one another to combat isolation, and to remind us that we still are a community through trials like this. So feel free to sign up on our website or learn more information. Talk with Jordan Stone or stop at the information desk or call the office and let us know that you'd like to be matched up with somebody or you'd like to be one to reach out to somebody else and benefit from these relationships together as we care for one another and share in faith. It is truly a blessing and an honor to have so many ways to share with one another this good news of Jesus Christ. So let's begin with the sermon. Dear friends in Christ, may the comfort of God's word of promise and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ come to you this day through the Holy Spirit to grant you peace in these uncertain times. Amen. I am he, Jesus says, the one speaking to you, right to the Samaritan woman that he sought out, he went looking for and found, who was seeking mere water at that well. Their conversation had begun in mystery, with lots of uncertainty, and moved in winding fashion through her suspicions and misunderstandings. But now it's at its conclusion. Now is the critical point. Now is the moment that Jesus came for. The big deal. The I am, Jesus says, echoing God's name to her. I am this Messiah that you've been awaiting. I am the one who knows you deeply, all that you are and have done. I am the one who has come to quench your thirst forever. Thirst is more than just needing a sip of water, is it not? I mean, That might be the first thing that you reach for when you're thirsty, when your tongue is dry and your mouth is is dry as well. But thirst is not as simple as just a sip, right? It's deeper than that. Thirst is a deep, deep need and desire for something, a yearning for the most needed and important things of life. So it might be water, It's important, but it also might be that we thirst for things like justice, searching and yearning for righteousness, thirsting for peace that we just can't always find, a thirst for everyone to love God and love neighbor the way that we would want them to. And just like taking a cool sip of water on a hot day, When we see a kindness shared to one another and a good deed done amongst us, it provides us a bit of momentary relief, doesn't it? A kind of, oh my goodness, the world isn't all bad still. But it's not lasting either. For the voices of the world and the troubles of the world continue to press upon us and actually continue to make our thirst grow ever more deep. And this is especially true for us in trying times. I mean, just look around. For all of us this week have been filled with uncertainty and questions. As we've all been sharing the best information and practices that we hear, we want other people to know these. About caring for our neighbors... And remembering the least amongst us gives us hope that we can get through this. And yet at the same time, we are constantly barraged and dismayed that people are buying up all the important resources, toilet paper or hand sanitizer or food or soap or whatever. And doesn't that speak to us about this deep, deep, need this thirst for us, a thirst, a deep desire for safety and security for each one of us. And when everything around us is screaming threat and danger, well, we fight for our life, don't we? So Jesus makes a bold claim when he meets the woman at the well that he is everything that this woman has been looking for, everything that she needs for life. After all, she came to the well to just fill her jar and get a drink. Instead, she found Jesus sitting there, waiting for her. He had to go to Samaria, the Bible tells us, but not because the road went there, This is in an entirely different part of the country than on the road from Jerusalem to Galilee. In other words, he needed to go there, not because of geography, but because this woman was there. He went to find her. It was necessary. It was as if if he had a thirst for her. Like a hunting dog on a trail, as if I know anything about that. Jesus had the scent of this Samaritan sinner, and he just wouldn't stop until he found her. Give me a drink, he says to her, and immediately her suspicions are raised. Who is this foreigner? Where did he come from? What's he doing here? What does he want from me? Why is he bothering to talk to me? It's all so out of place, and so her suspicions and questions instantly spring forward. And isn't this how we're all trained to react? Skeptical, questioning, don't get hoodwinked. The world isn't an innocent place, you know. Stick to the people that you know and keep your wits about you, because you never know what danger might be lurking around. It's sad, but it's good advice. Sad but true, sure to be sure nonetheless. In any case, the woman leads as she is supposed to with suspicion and caution, asking, "What is it that you want from me?" Jesus isn't offended by this as we normally get when we're trying to do something nice for somebody and they treat us the suspicion. Even without a bucket, he starts his own work, the work of giving himself away to this sinner. He hasn't come to the woman to demand anything of her, to ask anything from her, but rather to give her something to quench her eternal thirst. She's come to get a sip of water to get through the day, but Jesus has come to give her something much, much greater. As a Samaritan, she doesn't share things with Jews, and so he has to draw her in beyond her suspicions to wait out all of her objections, to move them all out of the way so that he can give himself to her, to pour himself into to her as living water. But she thinks he's probably going to tell her how wrong she is for not worshiping properly in Jerusalem. Probably she's not worthy of his time. Plus, she's got a complex romantic history with at least five husbands, and we're not quite sure about the sixth one she's with now. It's no wonder She feels attacked, that she's ready to defend herself from all the accusations that she suspects will be heaped upon her. It's like we all do in times of stress and uncertainty. We fight for our lives, and when we're attacked, we get defensive. But that's not what Jesus has come for. He hasn't come to make her justify herself to him. He hasn't come to tell her that she's unworthy or to ask her to change at all. He didn't go out of his way to see if she could be possibly as awful as he had heard and to make her prove that she was worth something by giving him a drink. No, instead, he has come to give her water, living water, not from a deep well that she has to work to get for herself, that she will be rewarded for her efforts, but instead a living water that gushes up like a spring that is given as a gift, the gift of Christ and eternal life from God. God is, of course, used to his people testing and arguing and being suspicious of him. In our reading from Exodus today, we find God has just carried his people out of slavery across the Red Sea and is leading them through the desert day and night. And what does he find them doing but quarreling and testing and wondering what is it that God wants from us? Where is he taking us? I wonder if he's brought us out to kill us. Moses has had it with them, right? He's threatened in his own life. He thinks they're going to stone him. What am I supposed to do? He wants to leave them in the desert. But God says, bring them to the rock. Bring them forward. All of their questions, all of their uncertainties, strike the rock and watch the water flow. God provides for his wayward people, those who complain and grumble and test him. He's not afraid of their questions. He's not afraid of their accusations. He takes them all upon himself and gives them the gift of life. There it is, the deepest thirst they have to save their lives, so that the water from the rock isn't simply water, but is a testimony to God's presence and love and provision. The gift from the water, from the rock of water, is Christ to them. It is their very life. Not because they are so great, not because they have earned it, not because they have changed to be God's people, but because God provides for them. It's exactly what we hear from Romans chapter 5 as well, that Jesus simply cannot help but give himself to sinners. He gets on their trail, he finds them, and he hands his life to them. As it says, For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For the ungodly, to make us God's people. Not because we had it all together. Not because we had worked hard enough. Not because we had shown that we would give Jesus a sip of water if he asked. But simply because we won't do all that we are asked. God comes and says, I love you for a word that we can be confident of, sure of, a promise that says, in Christ, God has reconciled us to himself. God has taken the action. God has made the steps. God has sought us each out, one by one, to give us this promise, that there is nothing that can take you away from God's love. Not your questions, not your uncertainties, not these uncertain days. But rather, within these sufferings, we begin to see the deep, great love of God and even rejoice in these times of trouble, not knowing that, uh, uh, not because we are so strong to get through them, but because God has promised us by his word in Christ that we have been called and reconciled to him. So even if we withhold the water from Christ, he comes to pour himself out for us, not to receive from us, but to give to us. And here he comes in his word, granting you promise and faith to get through these trying days. And with faith comes the fruits of faith to be reaped and harvested things like joy and peace, kindness and generosity that are so in need these days as we struggle together to hold on to the promise of Jesus Christ and serve our neighbor. Amen.